Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 43 of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. I am your host, Nicole Escobar, and today I'm back with Kristen. How you doing, Kristen? We missed you last time. Good. I know. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad to be here. Glad to be back. Yeah. And, 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 and on that note, I want to just remind everyone that our podcasts are informational only. They do, are not considered actual advice because probably for the most part, we don't know you, the listener. And so this does not take the place of advice from your doctor or your therapist. So just for informational and, and educational purposes, and hopefully to provide some good hope and encouragement. Amen. Yes. So let's get into it. Um, Over the past few months, we have been talking about some false beliefs that victims believe about themselves and about the abuse that they went through. As a recap, these false beliefs are one, it's my fault. Two, I must have been a terrible person for him or her to have done this to me. Three, I wanted him or her to do this to me. And four, it didn't happen. I must have made it up. So last month, we talked about having a low self-esteem, which is one of the consequences of believing these false beliefs. But there's two more consequences that we want to go over today, and those are shame and guilt. Now, you may remember that we talked about shame and guilt in episode 38. And when we talked about those two then, what we were doing is in the context of shame and guilt as as an often reaction to being sexually abused and keeping a person or survivor from telling their story or telling somebody about what has happened to them. So when we talk about shame in this context, it's similar, but we're talking about it in the consequences, outcomes of believing the lies about your abuse. So what we're talking about is how these feelings of low self-worth, guilt, and undeserved blame for your abuse can keep you bound. The reality is, is that when you're bound, you are obviously not set free and that is going to stunt your healing process. One of the reasons why we do this podcast is we want to set you free. We want you to know your worth. We want you to know hope is real. So the only way to do that is to overcome feelings of shame, low self-worth and guilt. So before we get into guilt and shame, Kristen, let's talk a little bit about self-worth. Stevie and I had our opinions about self-esteem and self-worth last time and how we can overcome those. And now we want to hear from you. So how does having a low self-esteem affect a survivor's healing? Sure. I think that um, when someone does not believe they are worthy of value, um, then it's 
likely or maybe even naturally that that's going to get in the way of the healing process because in order to go through that process you have to believe that you're worthy of going through the process right i know that's like a like a going in a circle way of describing it but it's just one feeds off the other if you don't believe that that you have value, you have dignity, that you're worth it. Why would you go through the healing process or stick with it? Because it's hard. It's hard going through the healing process. It, it requires being intentional um, and believing that, that things can change. That's the other part too, right? Um, it For the healing process, I think to happen, we have to have at least even a tiny little tidbit of belief that things can change, that things can be different because that really, that little tiny piece, right? It may be big for some people, for some people it's very small because they have a hard time believing that anything could change. But um, but I think you need that little tinder, you know, um, like a little piece of fire to be able to kind of propel you um, forward. But again, when, if someone doesn't believe that they have worth, that they have dignity, that they have value, it's very hard to find that motivation to move into healing. Totally. And that just to piggyback off what you're saying, it's like, I, I know that I get, I get that. That makes total sense because you could be going down the road in your healing journey, going to counseling, doing these groups. And all of a sudden you get to a chapter or something that triggers you and makes you feel like, again, like you have no worth. And even if it's subconsciously happening where sure. you're in your mind, like, well, I'm going to work on this, but I may never heal. I may never get better. And, and that those negative self-talk that negative self-talk will keep you again bound and get you that freedom that you need. Or be in the way of getting you that freedom. Yeah. 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 Get yeah. you in, in exactly in the way. Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that a survivor can improve their self-esteem and overcome this? Yeah. I think, um, I think sometimes it's going to come from outside of you. You know, I think ultimately, as we talk, we, we point a lot back to on our podcast, right? Um, we believe that ultimately who we are is dictated primarily by what the Bible says about us and the fact that, that God talks about the fact that we have worth, that we have value, that we are fearfully, which is like basically amazingly and in awe and wonderfully made. Each and every one of us is made in God's image and we are valuable um, people to him. And so primarily, I think believing what God says about you is, is the foundation of it all. But I think then how does that practically play out? Right. So that is what that would look like. I think for someone is looking for those Bible verses, like a simple Google search, let's say of, you know, what does the Bible say about me? You know, um, what is my, as we call it, our identity in Christ, like who Jesus Christ says that we are, because the Bible talks a lot about that. And so you can find verse after verse just by doing a simple Google search about what the Bible says about who you are and the value that you have and the love that God has for you. So we have that part of it, right? Um, and then we talked, you talked a little bit about that negative self-talk, right? We have that negative self-talk going, I'm not worthy. I'm bad. I'm and we're going to get, I think, more into that later on too in, in this episode. But when we have that kind of those negative patterns, those negative thinking patterns and things that we're saying to ourselves, then um, that's also going to keep us stuck. So the way in which to change that, like a simple way to do that. Um, and this, this again is 
this may be somewhat simple. It's going to probably take time to make these changes, especially if you've been telling yourself this negative stuff for a while. But if you were to just make a list on a piece of paper, on one side, you put all those lies, all those things you've been telling yourself, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm no good. I can never heal. I can never change, right? All those kinds of things. On the right-hand side, you write down what's actually true. I can change. I can heal. I am worthy. Ultimately, again, we believe that the even more powerful thing is to put Bible verses down there, you know, because we know that we can, we can trust the, the, um, the verses about what the Bible says about us. So that's like a simple way to start to make some of those changes. Um, I think sometimes too, um, we have, uh, you and I have talked about, about, um, seeing about those that have, that have gone before us, people that have gone before us in the healing process and seeing what they have done and the hope that they can provide. Sometimes we need the light from someone else's torch to be able to light our way because it's hard and treacherous. Just like you were talking about, there's some chapters like in the book that may be easy, right? Or not easy, but maybe easier, maybe, yeah, or or may not bring up as much stuff for you. And then you may hit some chapters in that workbook that could be so intense that you want to give up. But if you have others that have gone before you, they can help light the way. And I think having other people supporting you or even a person supportive of you is so powerful in changing some of those, that self-esteem, self-worth issues, someone else speaking over your life, but you have to be willing to receive that too. Mm. Right. Cause we all know before when people have told us things like even a simple compliment of like, you look beautiful today. And if you have always felt that you are not beautiful, then you're not going to receive that. You know, it's like, that's nice for you. And they must be lying to me. Right. No, that's so true. I love also what you said about when we go to the Bible and we try to find Bible verses. And then you said, um, because we know that holds more truth, but I also want to add to that. I think it's because it's unchanging, right? Yes. Like culture yes. tells us, you know, one day skinny is good looking or, and then the next time, um, a different weight, weight category is better. You know, as we this see fashion, that, or that or the, yeah. Yeah, everything changes. Yes. Yeah. And if we went by what culture told us was cool or what was truth, we would be all over the place. I mean, I can't keep up sometimes. So that's why I love, I I may have said this before, but I feel like I have to reshare this because this was so good. I went through a time period in my life where um, I... I I got sick and I I can't even remember what it was, but it was years ago. And I have this, I have a best friend who is just like uber positive, like always like, you know, love you, going to pray for you. I'm going to anoint you in the Holy Spirit, like that kind of stuff. And I'm like, so I knew she was the go-to person when I had this problem. And I remember her telling me, um, Nicole, you just got this diagnosis or this weird, it doesn't make sense right now. She said, turn off all TV, turn off social media and literally soak yourself in the word and what God says about your future, about what's currently happening right now and what he's going to do with you as in stand by you. I will be there for you. I will be a, um, a shelter for you, those types of things. And I wrote and people have said that to me before, but that one day I needed that so desperately. I needed to just be reminded, 
it hit me in just a spot. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit is alive and well and active and really moving through people because that, that affected me so much. And it's now my go-to for every time I have a stressor, you know, I'm hit with something hard or I start to doubt myself. I mean, even at Trees of Hope, I start to doubt myself. Like, are these podcasts making, are they effective? You know, and when I talk, is it even, is it even good? And I allow these things to come into my mind. So I'm not exempt from it, but I have to constantly be reminding myself that if God's called you to it. He is going to provide you. He's going to equip you. Right. So I have to, I have to take those biblical truths, maybe filter them through Nicole's language to repeat them yeah, back yeah. to myself, but they're sure, still the sure. truth. It's still right. God's truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's just, it's just so key. Um, and again, I think I've talked about before, this process is different for everyone. For some people, these things are going to click very quickly and they're going to be able to make some really big shifts. And it's, it's, going to be transformational pretty quickly. But again, for other people, for everyone, again, is different. But for some other people, this may be a real, what may feel like an uphill battle for sure. 10 steps forward, 12 steps back all over the place. And change tends to look like that, by the way, change Mm -hmm. is not a perfectly linear rise up the mountain, you know, and it, it is forward and back and up and down, and maybe it's not changing. And all of a sudden this big leap forward. So that tends to be the change process anyways. But my encouragement to anyone listening is to hang in there, to go talk to someone that you trust. That's so important. You need someone bringing encouragement to you um, and telling truth, telling you truth about yourself um, and believing in you and encouraging you on this journey, which is difficult. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I agree. And um, just to go off what you're saying is that, you know, nobody, even you, Kristen, even I always think of, cause I have a teacher right now and I'm in law school, which I've shared before. And I was thinking like the other day, if, imagine if I saw her out, would I still respect her the same way? You know? Cause I was like, she's really human. Oh my gosh. Like, cause you know, she grades me and stuff. Yes. <laughs> she has that power of, uh, you know, power of, yeah. <laughs> over me. So, um, I was just thinking to myself, I bet you, she struggles with different things and, you know, and, My encouragement is just to say that when we look at people, because I find myself going through social media and I'm like, I wonder if this person struggles with different things I'm struggling with. Yes, we do. And you're not alone, no matter how put together people look on social media or if they're your teacher or a pastor or, you know, whatever it is, a friend, not everybody has it together. Everybody struggles with feelings of inadequacy and low self-esteem at different times in their life. If they, if they don't, if they say they don't, they're lying to you. Okay. And, um, the only thing is, is that when you've been sexually abused, you're probably struggling at a greater, um, feeling you're struggling greater with these things, with these issues. And that's normal because you went through something that was traumatic and that was life altering. So you may feel low self-esteem in a couple of ways. I'm just going to point out a few things. Maybe you resonate with one or two of them, you know, a constant feeling of worthlessness, persistent thoughts that you didn't do it right. That's, you know, not me anymore, but that was something that plagued me. It was like, oh my gosh, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. 
broad swings and negative and positive attitudes about yourself. I I have to be honest, I still struggle a little bit with that one. Self-doubt, one mistake destroys feelings of accomplishment or success. Ooh, that's a big one for me still. Negative self-statements, over-responsible, feeling that everything is always my fault or under-responsible, being unable to acknowledge that I was wrong, and then difficulty making decisions. Now, we want you to consider that list that I just read. What feelings do you associate with or attach with? And how have those feelings affected your life? How have they benefited you or how have they hurt you? Yeah, I just want to mention too, Nicole, I think sometimes those statements are, we may recognize within ourselves, those statements are as being individual statements, but a lot of times it's a pattern. And it goes back to that whole um, term narrative, right? That we, a whole has become very much an, an, an it word. There may be a new buzz or it word now, but um, narrative has been talked about for a while, right? What's the story that you're telling yourself? And so I really encourage um, people to think about that too. What's the story overall that you're telling yourself? Because these things like um, I didn't do enough or it's always my fault or um, hold on a second here. I'm kind of looking at these, uh, that self-doubt, right? The, these tend to be pervasive in almost every area of life. When you're experiencing these, sometimes it may be just a blip on the screen, but a lot of times it's a whole narrative that you're telling yourself, the story that you're telling yourself about yourself. Look, I never do anything right. Like everything always points to that. And when we do that, when we have this overarching narrative over our lives that we're constantly telling ourselves, then it's, you can't win. Like everything is always going to go back to that because that's always the lens that you're looking from. My encouragement to you is to be willing to consider changing the lens. I love that. Right. So good. If, yeah. Yeah. Cause if everything goes back to that, then it's like the job loss. Yep. See, couldn't do it right. That relationship loss. See, couldn't do it right. And that leaves no room for any other explanation. How about that relationship loss really mostly wasn't about you. That person truly wasn't ready for it or whatever it is. I'm just saying it's like that, that overarching narrative that you're consistently telling yourself, you may not even be aware of it because it's so natural to you at this point. My encouragement is to consider what that story is that you're telling yourself and to consider changing it, allowing it to change a perspective change. It can change everything. Yeah. I, I, the minute you started talking about that, I was thinking of, I was thinking of, um, a time in my life where I worked at this place and I felt like no matter what I did, I could never succeed. I could never bring the company or the place into success. Um, and so this plagued me that it, exactly a thing that you said, it was constantly in my mind. And I remember walking the halls and it would enter my mind, the thing of like, it's always your fault. Like, look, you're failing at it again. And I, it just takes one time of going, wait, hold on. Like literally, even if you have to say it out loud, like, wait, yes. hold on. Yes. I don't know. Always this, this could be right. outside of my um, control. You know, this may not be, this might not have been my fault. I mean, you sometimes need to just pause yeah. and it sounds yeah. so simple, but it's like just stopping the voices in your head. Yeah. 
especially those automatic voices, right? Those thoughts that are coming, you're not even aware of. That is a big issue when we're talking about self-esteem and self-worth. These thoughts are automatic. You probably are not even aware of them. And so all part of this healing process is exactly what you said, Nicole, to stop, to slow down and actually allow yourself time to reflect on what's going on in your mind, how you're thinking, what you're telling yourself. Another quick example I want to give is almost like a reparenting. Like, how are you speaking to yourself? Are you speaking to yourself like that good parent that maybe you didn't have? And maybe you did have a good parent. And that's awesome if you did, right? But for a lot of people, they didn't. And so what would what do you need right now? A lot of us have a really... Um, good sense of what we would need to hear right at the moment. And so are you speaking to yourself in that way? It's okay. It's hard today. It has been a hard day. I'm going to get through it. I need some rest. I need a moment to think. Or I need a moment to, I need to cry. It's okay that I'm crying. I'm not weak. Like those kind of things. The type of things a good, encouraging, healthy parent would say to you is what as adults, I think we have the opportunity to do for ourselves, especially if we didn't have that growing up. And some of you may say, I don't even know what to say to myself. That's okay. That's one of the reasons to continue through the healing process. One of the reasons to seek out a therapist, a good therapist that you trust, to seek out a good person or a friend or trusted someone, because you probably need some help with that. But that reparenting in a way for ourselves is really, really important. Are you speaking to yourself with compassion? And that's so much of what I work with people on. And I, and Nicole, just like you said, I struggle with the same thing myself, like being so harsh with it internally toward myself. But man, when I allow some self-compassion, just like, it's just been a hard day. It's okay that it, everything wasn't perfect today. It's been a hard day. It's been a hard year. Been a hard. It has been a hard few years, for sure, with the pandemic stuff. So that's a little side note there. But I'm just saying, allowing, acknowledging those things, having some compassion allows you to move through whatever it is, allows change to happen, allows change in perspective to happen, because you will not grow, you will not heal, and you will not change under harsh conditions telling yourself, oh, I can never change. I am hopeless. I'm useless. I'm bad. It's all my fault. All those things. Think about that, right? For a child that's being told things like that. Are they going to grow underneath those conditions? Not well, right? They're not going to grow and develop pretty very well underneath those conditions, but instead encouraging um, patient, compassionate messages will allow you the space to heal and grow. Yeah. I mean, if, if, to sum up what I think I'm hearing you say, like for in Nicole terms yeah, yeah. is recognize when it, the automatic voice comes into your mind. Yes. Right. Like yeah. just start recognizing it. Yeah. Cause I think that's the most important step because that is when you can go, wait, hold on. Wow. I just went on a whole yes. chain. I just was like literally letting that sucker go yeah. on a whole bunch of different thoughts. And all I had to do in this moment was just recognize that it's happening. Right. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Right. Imagine slowing down enough just to be able to reflect and acknowledge what's going on inside of you, as opposed to having to fix it, correct it and so forth, because these behaviors are not just cognitive. They're not just mental. They're not just thoughts. These are then affecting the rest of your behaviors. This is what's feeding into eating disorders. This is what's feeding into addictions. This is what's feeding into dysfunctional relationships and other dysfunctional behavior and, and, and dysfunctional coping 
all of these thought processes that we think that are meaningless or not affecting things, it's only in my head. Oh my goodness. It, I promise you, it is not only in your head. It is everywhere else too. It's affecting everything in your life. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I, I mean, I've always wondered, you know, I mean, obviously we know the Bible says out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? But where do the thoughts from the heart come from? They come from your mind. They come from, they come from your heart too. But I'm saying that, you know, you, it first starts in your heart and then that is where the response to other things happens. It could be negative towards people. Cause I, I was also thinking about this time in my life when this thing was happening when I was at that job and I had this negative narrative or self-talk going on in my mind, I wasn't being my best self as a boss. I wasn't like, I was, I kind of was like, yeah, I mean, everything around here just is going to turn to crap because it all just sucks anyways. And it's like kind of thing. And it's like, instead of being, I mean, I had a positive perspective sometimes, but, but I would say it wasn't my most healthiest mindset, you know, and that affected all the people around me too. And so that has, and that's what we're saying, right? We're saying like, when we are, that's one of the things we're, I would say we're saying, Yeah, yes, one of I didn't say that, but I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. It's not only affecting you, it is affecting people around you as well. And I don't, that's part of this whole picture, but ultimately we're trying to get you to look at you, but yes, you are having an effect on the people around you as well. For sure. When we, right. When you know that intensity of when someone walks into a room and they're really angry and they deny it, you feel it. Everyone knows, right. Have you ever had that before? Um, where, um, you just feel this toxic energy almost when someone, you know, walks into a room and they say like, Oh no, everything's fine. You're like, yeah, right. Cause we can pick yeah. up on that. Right. We can pick up on that. So yeah. People. I mean, I, I vibe off people so bad and I wish I wasn't like this. And it's a prayer that I have prayed every single day is God, please let me not be, um, affected by other people's things, right? Like, let me be positive. Let me be that light that shines no matter what, but it's hard. That's a hard one. Yeah, it is. I think it's also can be a blessing to have that sensitivity though, to people, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's a matter of being able to keep your own two feet on the ground and not get carried off with someone else's. Yeah, no, that's true. It is a blessing too. Cause if you see someone sad or struggling, you can be really sensitive to that and, and come alongside and be the light and be the, the, the positive influence. Yeah. True that. Okay. So now let's get into guilt. Um, so, you know, guilt, we've talked about it many times here on this podcast. And I think a lot of times survivors have this absolute awful feeling inside of them that somehow they cause their abuse. It's just, mm. it's, it's such a lie. And I see so many people burdened by it, even if they don't say it outwardly, like, oh, this was my fault. They live like that's the truth in their life. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of times adults, they, they look back on their abuse and they think, gosh, I could have done something to have prevented this. And it's just not the truth. We need to remember that if we were sexually abused as children or as a child, that we rarely have the emotional capacity or maturity level to deal with what's happening to us. I know when I give myself grace and thinking back to when I was abused, heck no, how, how 
how could I have the mental maturity to look at it the way I am now with all eyes open with all the hard work I've done, you know, no way. All I knew at that moment was I wanted to play with this kid, just like I played with every other kid. I didn't want all the other stuff that was involved with playing with this kid, but I didn't have the voice. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have any of those things. I wasn't who I am now. Those things that I am now come off of that because I learned coping mechanisms to, um, to build armor around myself, to be a strong person. Right. And I've had to learn to hide my emotions and how to now, now someone tells me if someone comes at me and tries to like, even talk to me, you know, ask me for a dollar. I'm like, no, you know, I'm now more aggressive about it, but, or if somebody tried to even touch me at a bar or a restaurant, I would body slam them to the floor. But it's different now. I was a child. I was six. So I I want our listeners to, you know, think of yourself in the same way. Give yourself grace, give that child grace and mercy and recognize that they were just a child. Yes. We also have to remember that physical and mental maturation is not reached until late teens, like almost twenties, if that, and I'm sure Kristen can even speak into this in a second about how that's probably like old info because I've dated many 20 year olds when I was 20 that were like 15 year olds. Okay. And men, men probably mature at a much lesser rate than girls too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it tends to be where women are usually, um, do mature faster than, than boys. Yep. Girls mature faster than boys, yes. Right. So, Um, I mean, when children are violated, the normal maturation process is severely damaged. And we need to just remember that. And one of the results of that and accepting blame and guilt is the fear of success in your own life. So you may be thinking you don't deserve good things or that good things shouldn't happen to you and that you don't deserve good relationships or good people or good um, accountability or good counseling or, or good friends. Um, and you may say things to yourself like, gosh, I'm so stupid or I'm dumb. And these are simply not true. So Christine, tell us a little bit about how some of these guilt and guilting ourselves and accepting guilt or blame can affect a survivor. Sure. Um, I want to go back to one thing you said, though. You said mm-hmm. something a moment, a moment ago about you learned to hide your emotions. I want to even kind of like take that apart just a little bit. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what you learned to do was to acknowledge that some people are safe for you. Some people are not, and you're not going to be emotionally open and available to everyone. Cause I don't think that you have totally hidden away your emotions, meaning like hide them and they don't exist type thing. I think you are, I think just as is healthy, Everyone does not deserve to see every part of what you're feeling, thinking, and experiencing. You know, um, I think that's that's what we're talking, what you're talking about. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say when I was a kid, though, when the sexual abuse was happening, and as I grew up, like maybe till I was like 30, I definitely hid my sensitivities and my emotions in that way. And now I've learned how to express those you know, effectively and well to people, especially when they've hurt me, you know, those types of things. So yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. Cause I did. Yeah. I just thought I wanted to just break that apart a little bit, you know, too, because I think that is important because our emotions are important. They're not everything, but they are important. They are messengers. Um, and I think going back to that too, just real quickly, um, I think that like kind of tucking away or putting away your emotions or, um, are not necessarily being fully open, um, with everyone was also probably coping and survival you know, um, for what you went through. And I think that's probably a lot of survivors can be, you know, probably find themselves that way. It's survival in a way, kind of tucking yourself away. So I think learning how to allow yourself to be vulnerable when you feel safe in a safe relationship or safe relationships is really important because one of the damaging effects of sexual abuse can be this hiding yourself away almost becoming this non-existent or this hard, hard person, right? Or this totally um, open and completely vulnerable all the time and not discerning who should and should not be allowed to see those pieces of yourself. You know, so I think sometimes how we cope with surviving sexual abuse, young tends to expire or stop working. At some point it become, can become dysfunctional that helped you survive at the time. Then it's a matter of working through like how, what do I need to do to work through this now? Because that blocking or that avoiding or that shutting down or that totally being completely open to anyone and everything, like all the, you know, that's not working anymore. If that makes, makes sense. I just want to kind of acknowledge that. So I think some of the effects, um, that a survivor may feel from accepting that blame or the guilt about their abuse. I think it goes back to that narrative. It's all my fault. It's all on me. And some part of that too, as we've talked about, I think in other podcasts is um, that having a hard time acknowledging how truly powerless you were in the abuse. That's a very painful thing to acknowledge, a scary thing to acknowledge that I was really powerless I was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I was a kid. I had no power in this. I truly was um, taken advantage of, you know, in this situation. And so I think sometimes it's easier to tell yourself that you had more power than you did. So you can just absorb all the blame and guilt on you, right? Because then you feel like you had some amount of power of it. But the detrimental part of that, one of the detrimental parts of that, of course, is like we talked about this ongoing narrative of it's all on me. It's all my fault. Something is wrong with me, you know, Um, because the reason that turns so sour and so negative is because it's not true. And things that are not true are going to turn sour or negative you know, and be poisonous and toxic to our lives and to our relationships because they're not true. Right. And I mean, sorry to keep bringing the Bible into this, but that's what we do here. Isn't that why the Bible talks about taking every thought captive and that we should refrain or withhold it before it gets into our hearts and penetrates into us and becomes truth, what we think is truth? Well, think about that. Yes. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, instead of just allowing all your thoughts and everything to just be automatic, 
actually slowing down, pausing, or even stopping, taking time to reflect, what are you actually thinking about? What are you feeling? All, all of those things, what's actually going on in your mind? So yes, the Bible absolutely talks about taking every thought captive, putting on the mind of Christ. So it's like, what does it, how does the Bible instruct us to think? And that's not because we can't think for ourselves. It's not what that is about. This is rescuing us from toxic, negative thinking patterns is what this is. This is telling us that we have that. I think the reason the Bible talks about that is because we have a propensity to think things that are not accurate or true. Hmm. Like again, and if anyone were to say they don't, right? Like we talked about before, they are not being truthful (laughs) because we have a propensity to think about just be inaccurate in our thinking. You know, we think we're so accurate because it's in our heads, but that's not, that is not the truth. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking is um, how you mentioned, you know, that's not in the Bible to just give you like, um, don't do this and do this. Right. Uh, You said it differently, but it's what how my brain interpreted it. But one of the things I just keep thinking about is it's in the Bible because God loves us so much. Yeah. And he loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. And he knows how we were created because he created us. And he knows that we, like you said, we have a propensity to go a certain way. But I, I hope you listener hear it from the lens of when God says, put on the mind of Christ or to take every thought captive. It's because he's saying, I love you so much, please take every thought captive because if you run away with it, I know what it will do to you. I know it will ruin you. I know it will, it will lead you astray from the truth. And I want you to know the truth because the truth will set you free. Amen. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. So true. And I think I did a, I did a study one time on that verse about take every thought captive, like back to the original Greek, you know, the, the original language of this verse. I like to do that with Bible verses to really go back to like, okay, what was the original intent of this? And they were saying the words are such that this is almost um, like a military take every thought captive. That's the intensity of the captivity they're talking about for your thoughts. That's yeah. how seriously that God tells us to take our thoughts and our thinking patterns, because again, where has your thinking brought you? Right. And that has to do with how you're thinking about everything, but also very much about your abuse. You know, that is your only way of healing is to be willing to change your thinking. Yep. So true. Okay. So what we want you to do is now think of the effects you've experienced from accepting blame or guilt about your abuse. And I want you to ask yourself the hard question of what has this done for me? Has this helped me or has this hurt me to think like this, to think about that I'm to blame, that I carry the guilt, I carry I carry the fault is on me. What has that done for your life? Okay, so now we are gonna talk about shame. So in addition to self-blame and guilt, survivors experience a deeper feeling that something was terribly wrong with them, and that's why this abuse happened. This is what we call shame. If you've been sexually abused as a child, that act probably caused you to lose your rightful identity, and it's caused you to not see yourself as a loved and valued human being. 
And instead of maturing in a healthy way, you probably tried to mature in life with a foundation based on confusion and betrayal, which is only, only makes sense, right? You were sexually abused. It confuses everything. And how, unless you had had a family member or a loved one come alongside you and guide you along the way to help start that process when it happened when you were young, of course, you're going to have a foundation based on confusion and, and betrayal. So many factors are going to contribute to a healthy development of a child. And when a child consistently believes the lies about their abuse and has strong feelings of shame or undeserved blame, as they develop into adults, it devastates their emotional stability. So whether we've experienced sexual abuse as a child, as an adult, or even both, we need to let go of shame and undeserved responsibility. Some shaming statements that we may hear ourselves say, and maybe even subconsciously, is I don't deserve to be happy. I'm a freak. I'm not worthy of loving. And these may come piggybacked off of the other ones that we talked about in self-worth where, you know, you may drop the ball on something. You may have a broken relationship. You may have failed a test. And then you're like, God, I'm such a freak. I can never get anything right. Why can't I'm so dumb. I'm so unworthy of this. And again, this may not be exactly like that. It may be just this natural narrative that comes into your mind automatically because that's what you feel about yourself. Right. So we want you to think about some statements that you say to yourself on a consistent basis. And I'm going to keep saying this. How have those statements affected your life up to this point? Have they benefited you or have they hurt you? So Kristen, speak into this a little bit. How can these types of shaming statements hurt a survivor? Yeah, I think, I think all of this is so tied together. I think if we, and we may have spoken about this before, but I think to differentiate guilt from shame, guilt is I did something wrong and shame is I am something wrong. So it has to do about very deeply about your character. And so I think, um, think, just think about how detrimental that is to think that negatively about yourself. And again, this leads into everything. So this is this is not going to be negative statements about yourself just having to do with the abuse. This is very likely in every area of your life. And so that's why it's so important to recognize if those are the patterns that you're thinking about yourself again, way probably way past just the abuse and to work on bringing those things up so that you can also bring those things out of you and replace them with what is actually true. And this process, again, is different for everyone. Again, some people will shift fairly easily. Other people, it's a deeper and harder shift, particularly because of the effects of trauma. Trauma tends to get those negative thinking patterns, that shame, all those things very much stuck in your head. And so that's why therapy, I think, can be um, this whole process and, you know, therapy, a lot of times on top of it can be so um, important to be able to help you work through those thinking patterns that are stuck. So in fact, if you're finding yourself so stuck and holding on to the shame and the shame is covering so many areas of your life, please know that if it feels like nothing is moving this, that you probably need to get some more help. 
because mm-hmm. that's what we're, you know, as therapists that we're here for is to help you with those kind of things when someone is very much um, stuck in the, that thinking, because that probably means that we need to break it down a little bit more and really pull the pieces apart from when this all started and get it untangled for you. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I hate, I hate to just transition to this and say that you can be set free and we want to yeah. give you some ways that you can. Um, I say, I hate transitioning into this because it sounds so simple. It really does. But these are, these are just foundational uh, steps that we want to provide you and encouragement to just help you get rid of these false beliefs. So just remember that false beliefs are learned and therefore they can be unlearned. You can begin to correct these beliefs and stop allowing the effects on your life. And every time you believe a false belief, you're reinforcing it. So every time you believe a truth, you are reinforcing that truth. There is hope in this area. I promise you it has changed my life doing this exercise and taking some of these steps and practically applying them to my life. We, we want to see you set free. And one of the things that you have to remember is the way that you see yourself, the way that you view what's happened to you in your life and the way that you view yourself as just just as a person, it's going to become your reality. If you believe you're unworthy and that you are unlovable, you're always going to believe that about yourself unless you do something to change that narrative in your mind. Also, just want to add, if we constantly think negative thoughts about other people and about, and if we have unrealistic expectations on other people, and if we think that If we're constantly judging, criticizing how other people are or how they respond, you're going to constantly see them like this. It's good. You're going to reinforce it all the time. I am, I am, I always, I don't always say this, but like I have been trying to say this more recently is that like, I am a recovering judgmental, critical person. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm trying to be better at that. And it's because I criticize and I'm judgmental to myself. Like, so if, if I, if you know me, you know, I'm, I do it even worse to myself. So it's like, (laughs) if I do it to other people, just imagine what I'm saying to myself, but that's not a good thing to do because I noticed that the more I do it, um, it becomes not, it becomes very natural to me to just like leave a party or leave a breakfast with somebody and just be like, gosh, I can't believe they said that. And oh my God, you know, and like all this stuff and just like nitpicking everything. So I was asking myself more recently, like, why are you doing that? Like, what is the big deal? Why are you nitpicking everything about them? Why can't you just leave there and just enjoy them? And then I was, I'm nitpicking my nitpicking, but at the same time, I am, I'm recognizing I've got, I have a problem. And so for me, that's a great first step because before maybe two years ago, it didn't even bother me that I was doing that. I could care less. I was like, this is me. Who cares? This is who I am. This is a part of my growing up. No, it's not. It's not healthy. It's not good. And it's only going to affect you. So one of the analogies that we talk about here at Trees of Hope in our groups is when we think of when we think of um, taking off or, or letting go of false beliefs and, and replacing them with truths, try it with a coat or try it with a new pair of shoes. 
every time you put on a pair of shoes, you have the choice to put on a new shoe or an old shoe. The old shoe is the false belief. The new shoe is the truth. So even if it's so silly and simple and you start believing a lie, you could easily just say, okay, wait, what shoe am I wearing today? Am I wanting to do that? Am I wanting to wear the old shoe or am I wanting to wear the new shoe? I promise you it's effective and it helps (laughs) because I've done it a few times and I'm like, okay, you're putting on the old shoe. So now we want to give you those quick little steps. It's a good picture, by the way. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I like that. Cool. It works. Um, So we want to give you just five important steps that you can use to get rid of these false beliefs. And I'm sure Kristen will say, again, these are not one, two, three, you're good to go. Life is perfect here. Let's move on to the next problem in your life. This is ongoing. Consistency matters. This is never going to be fully achieved, as in you're not going to believe lies. We were created with um, God's truth in our hearts, written on our hearts, but there's a battle out there for our souls. And there's the battle wants us to believe lies about ourselves and lies about who God is so that we can get off course. You know, don't want to get too spiritual here on the Satan thing, but he wants you to live bound because if you're bound, you're, you're not effective. You're not out there helping people be set free. You're, you're, you're bound. Yeah, that's true. You're, that is accurate. I agree with you. So step one, first identify the false belief. What is the lie that you're believing? Step two, Look at the root of that false belief. Where did it come from? Who introduced this false belief to you? Step three, recognize that the false belief is a lie. Say it out loud. That is a lie. Even if you're at your office and you're sitting in your cubicle or whatever it is, you can even go, that's a lie. That's a lie. I promise you it's very effective. Yeah. And then you want to relinquish your false belief. I wanted to look up the word relinquish because I understand it, but sometimes I'm like, that's a big word. And what does that mean? It means to voluntarily seize, to keep or claim, to give up. It's so simple, but it's a really powerful word. And then the last one is use scripture as a source, source of truth. What does the Bible say about this situation? Not every single situation is going to be in the Bible, but there's examples, there's proverbs that if, even if you just focus on proverbs and give you small little tidbits of truths, that is enough. Psalms is filled with great examples of different things that people are going through the human experience. I promise you, you'll find, you may not find your exact problem or situation, but you will find something that somebody went through in the Bible that is very similar to your experience. Yep. Yep. So the last thing we want to do is just a little exercise. We want you to take time today to pray about each one of these three major consequences that we've gone over. And we want you to ask yourself and be honest, how have these affected your life? Um, Please. uh, I always recommend writing your prayers out because It's so helpful, but you know, not everybody has that kind of time. So if you can write this out just for this exercise, that would be so great because this is a moment in time where you'll be able to refer back to it 
when you start to feel like lies have begun to take hold of your life again. So we wanted to give you three examples just to get you started. For the feelings of low self-esteem, the false belief or the lie is that nobody loves me. And then the truth is that God loves me just as I am. And I can, so I can love me too. And I want to just add, you know, and so can others, right? Like you're lovable, you're lovable. And I think that's the challenge too, real quickly, is that if God loves us like that, then we don't need to have people in our lives that aren't going to love us like that. Like why you don't have to be in relationship with people who aren't going to treat you with that dignity and care because you are that valuable. So true. Yeah. Add that to your truth. So I love that, Kristen. Keep coming up with them as I go. (laughs) So the next one is guilt, self-blame. The false belief might be I'm to blame for my abuse. So the truth is the responsibility belongs to the abuser, not me. No matter what happened, no matter what took place, no matter how my body responded, no matter where I went that night, no matter how much I love that person, the responsibility of the violation belongs to the abuser, not me. Yes, absolutely true. Shame. Yeah. You want to add something? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get off too off base here, but, but I want you to know again, if this is something that you're stuck on that one in particular, a lot of times we can say, write that truth back at you. Oh my goodness. You were just a child. Oh my goodness. It was not your fault at all, et cetera, et cetera. And so for some people though, that that belief is so stuck in there. So my encouragement to you is to do this exercise anyways, but if you're stuck in that, please talk to someone that you trust, whether it's a friend, counselor, whomever that is, someone else in, in the Trees of Hope group, whomever, but talk through that. That's not, a, that isn't, sometimes that's a normal, that's a normal thing that a lot of people get stuck on um, is that is the responsibility part of it. And I just think you ha- have to continue working through that. That doesn't mean like, well, I'm just gonna, I can't, I can't change it. So I'm just gonna leave it there. No, keep working through it. Right. Don't give up. Never give up. Then the last one is shame. I'm damaged and nobody will want me. The truth is, is that I'm worthy of respect and love no matter what has happened to me. Right. No matter what. Absolutely. So that's it. So we're finally done with this three part series. And gosh, we hope that you got so much out of this. We hope you feel encouraged and we hope that we're making, you know, a difference in your life in the way that you're healing and the way that you're approaching healing, even if it's just simply starting to recognize certain things in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, thank you for sticking this out, you know, with us, we hope that's, that this is bringing truth and yeah, like, just like you said, encouragement and hope to you because so many others have gone before you, you can do this, but you cannot do it alone. So, right. Amen. Um, so at last, I just want to leave you guys with it's Christmas. This is December. And although this is probably publishing before Christmas, we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We honestly could not do what we do without our listeners. We're so thankful for you guys. We truly do love you from the bottom of our heart. I get emails, I get calls, I get texts. 
I get different things, you know, throughout the year that just inspire me and keep us pushing forward. And one of the ways that we're going to keep pushing forward is if you haven't realized Stevie Essler is actually going to be a more consistent co-host. She's a, she's going to be a consistent co-host moving forward. Um, so we're so excited because she's really fun and she's just a great addition to our team. Um, and then we also talked about adding one more episode a month. So instead of doing it once a month, we're going to be doing it two times a month. So with COVID, we we went from doing it weekly to then once a month because it just worked better that way. But now that we have consistency on our team, I think this is going to be a blessing and it's just going to help people with various different um, subject matters and different ways that we can hit this topic of how to heal from sexual abuse and also how do we prevent it from in, in other the future generations that we have to look out for. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that is so important to us here at Trees of Hope, because like Kristen said, you know, we carry the torch forward so that others find healing and hope in our stories. Yeah. But we also carry that torch forward so that children are safer. Yeah. So that future generations can know more about this topic and learn ways to keep themselves safe. Cause there's nothing more devastating than, and as we know, cause we've lived it than being sexually abused and how it affects our lives. Now, if we can keep a child safe, that it's everything to us. Yeah. So, yeah. well, again, we love you guys. We thank you so much for being our listeners, for being a part of this family. And uh, we will see you on the flip side of 2022 in January. We, lo we love you. See you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.